He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, Slick Talkers, I hope you are having a great week. I'm so excited for this episode. It has been long overdue, and I say that right in the beginning as you get through the intro, because it's true. I've known Mark since just before COVID, and we actually got to meet before the world shut down in London, and let's just say due to COVID and all of us, whether he's growing Boostly and I was growing my podcast, to now where we are today with Hospitality.fm and Amplified Audio... It's just taken me too long to actually sit down with Mark and get to know his story. And this all really did start when he and I chatted in Nashville at the SGR Wealth Conference. And I got to kind of like tell him, like, look, I'm sorry. I've been really bad at actually making this happen. And long story short, you know, he um, was just super, super nice in was supporting everything we were doing with Hospitality.fm, and I just couldn't have thanked him enough. And so he joined the network, and finally, we're recording, and we did the episode. So you can watch the live stream on any of your social media channels that we're on, or you can just listen to this episode. But I also just want to say a big shout-out to my friend Dana Lubner. I just got to attend her Good Neighbor Summit with the Mile High host here in Denver this last weekend, and... It was awesome. As a sponsor, I loved the content that was there. I loved getting to network and meet some more industry friends, whether they're operators or vendors. It was just really cool to attend a local conference. And I know I said I was done with conferences this year, but this one was right in my backyard. And Dana is such a good friend and supporter of the show that I wanted to give her a quick shout out on this episode. And if you don't know who Dana Lubner is, check out the show notes. Her old episode with me is there and she's also a big part of the rent responsibly team so big shout out to you guys love ya and before we get going to this episode as well gonna give another shout out to our sponsors i could not be doing this podcast without hostfully safely and minute these three companies have really come in to support all of the content all these conversations and all of the back-end work that it really does take to put the show together from interviews to conferences to getting better microphones, they are the reason why I'm here. So I'm just super thankful for you guys. If you're a property management company or if you're a host, either way, you need to check them out. If you have one property, zero properties, 100 properties, these are the softwares and the platforms and the hardware that you need to have in your tech stack. So as Mark is going to jump into the episode and talk about booking direct and building out marketing tactics and how to actually implement building your brand outside of OTAs, these softwares are just as important to be a part of that journey with you. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And as you know how I like to do it on the podcast, get ready to hear Mark Simpson in three, two, one. You're listening to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, a podcast for those who are in and around the hospitality industry who love, live, and breathe what they do. 
You can join us for candid and unscripted conversations with hospitality experts and founders as we go deeper into their personal stories while they're sharing their triumphs and trials that got them to where they are today. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and you're listening to an episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast. Now, let's begin. Right. Welcome back to another episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. I am super excited because guess what? We have the one and only Mark Simpson on the show. And I have to admit, I, you know, was slow to pull the trigger on this one back in the day when Mark and I first met in 2020. Obviously, we all know what was going on that time of year, but I'm super excited to have you on the show today, Mark. How are you doing? We did it. And I love that new intro. That is, that is lovely. That's slick. Thank <laughs> you. We, we had a, uh, we had a lot of fun with obviously using some footage from the book direct show. So which you are a man that knows much about book direct. So I know we'll dive into a lot of it. Um, but I'm just super excited to dive in because from a podcasting standpoint and like in the, the network of hospitality FM and all that stuff. No, uh, I personally don't feel like I've gotten to know your story from the early origin days. You know, what made Mark Simpson the Mark Simpson we see today? So I would love for you to just like jump in. Where do you feel like your origin, your story really starts within hospitality? Well, first of all, cheers. It's been a long time coming, my man. What we've got? Cheers. There you go. Cheers. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I didn't bring a beer, unfortunately. Still, still in the afternoon. But... I was just, uh, well, yeah, I'm in the UK, as you can tell from this accent. I'm right mm-hmm. down. Uh, it's about nine o'clock now, my time, but it's perfect. So I thought, kids are asleep. Let's get a beer, celebrate this. Because yeah, it has been a long time coming. I remember we were chatting uh, early 2020, obviously met in London um, in March 2020, just before the world turned upside down. And um, that was like a crazy sort of like pivotal moment in, in sort of like the career of, of, of Boostly. Like after that point from like March 2020 to December 2020, Boostly grew 200%, which is insane to think of just as the whole world of hospitality was going through all emotions. But I sort of re- rewinding it all back, it, you know, I was born in this industry pretty much. Like at the age of three, my parents changed uh, a 200 acre farm um from being just a 200 acre farm with a lot of livestock and an arable yeah. to a, a bed and breakfast they knocked a barn down they got planning permission and they sort of had that to sort of the foresight to sort of look into the future and they they created a farm stay experience and you know all you got to do now is go on the airbnb or instagram and every farm has got a farm stay element whether it's glamping or whatever they're one of the first definitely definitely the first movers in our county which was uh, yorkshire in the united kingdom if you've got anybody who knows where yorkshire is please just drop a little comment or a like in in, in here because it's uh you know that's that's where i grew up and you know the uh it's so funny because this was happening like in the in the 90s right and in the 90s there was no internet there's no social media there's no airbnb there's no verbo so they had to like rely on old school marketing tactics so word of mouth and newspaper ads pretty much that's that's all they were doing and you know i was just so used to having strangers in my house every day i thought that was the norm i only realized that wasn't normal when i went to a friend's house for the first time for a play date i was like where is everybody (laughs) where is everybody like what's going on here and so you know i i grew up in that i grew up in hospitality hospitality first sort of 
sort of um, methodology and sort of mantra being sort of always shared by mum and dad. Um, I grew up in it. I was like working in it. I was doing breakfast before school, doing uh, doing like changing bunk beds at weekends and all that jazz. Mm. And um, yeah, so I got to like fast forward. I'm, I'm in my teenage years now, 16, 17, 18, 19 and 20. And I just wanted to do one thing and that was escape. <laughs> I wanted to get out of the small town. I wanted to travel. Um, I got my uh, soccer coaching qualifications. I really wanted to be a soccer player, but I'm rubbish at playing soccer. So I got my coaching qualifications. And that's when the opportunity to come to America happened. That's like 2002. So a year after 9-11, my mom was petrified. She was like a little baby boy, like going over to America. And But I had such a good time. I started off in Memphis, Nashville, uh, which we'll talk about Nashville later. And, and oh, it was yeah. just such an amazing, amazing, amazing time. And then I had so much fun that next year I went back. Year after that, I went back. Every year, five, six months, got my visa, went back, went back, went back. And then um, 2009, I sort of realized that this career was never going to go anywhere. I was never going to get like my green card. I was never going to be full of a full-time gig. So I sort of went, right, let's go back, mm-hmm. UK, straight into London, fell into sales and marketing. Uh, I was working for Yelp, which is the big review site. But at the time, it was Quipe before I got purchased. Yeah. And, then, uh, and then, yeah, learned two years of just solid, learned all about social media, learned about SEO, learn about how reviews work, all that stuff. And then in 2012, my parents um, asked me to come into the family business. I'm the oldest of four, and it was just a natural sort of progression. It was me, there was my wife, and there was my uh, my eldest, uh, Alfie. And so we moved back, and my role was to get everything online. Like When we first moved back, they were doing everything on pen and paper. It was unbelievable. Pen, paper, and Tipex. It was crazy. What year, what year was this when you went back? 2012. So okay. when we first sat down, I was like, right, what are we, what are we talking with here? And it was like pen and paper. I, rem- I, I, I still get PTSD for the day. I still remember the folders and it's just like, you know, my dad would take a phone call. Yep. 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 Go now. Yeah, absolutely. I'll book you in. Forgets to book it in, goes off, does the farming. Like literally two days later, we've got two strangers standing in the door. We said, Hey, we're checking in. And my mom was like, Oh, <laughs> it's just insane. So my job was to get it all online to make sure that it was systemized and structured and then get the online marketing going. And um, it, it went really well. Like basically fast forward two years and we've took 25 years worth of offline word of mouth online. And so TripAdvisor, we were like one of the top three recommended places in the whole of the Northeast of the UK. Uh, we were winning awards. We were getting sort of national press. Uh, social media was, was, was going crazy. Like Facebook was one of our biggest sort of channels. And what it all meant was that every single year, year on year, we're a 70 to 80% direct bookings. And then 20 to 30% was always fillers, like third parties. Like booking.com yeah. was the biggest. Then you've got the Expedia group. And then, you know, as the years went on, obviously Airbnb sort of dug into that as well. And um, in 2016, I read Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week. Like a friend gave it to me, read it, and I was like, wow. Because I, I wore that busy badge with honor. You know, I was like, you know, I'm son of a, a Yorkshire farmer, that generation of like do it all yourself, no outside help. You know, my mom's the type of person that would get somebody to come in and do the cleaning and clean the house before the cleaner arrives. <laughs> so that's that sort of mentality. And I was like, wow, blown away by it. So many sort of aha moments and takeaways. And I sort of dipped in the in the Pringle tub. I popped that Pringle tub and I hired like a, a virtual assistant, a VA. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. I was able to sort of take, take away three hours of my week just like that. And I just started to do more and more and more. And uh, before I knew it, I was freeing up all this time. And so I started to go, 
with my time that I freed up, I started to go to hospitality meetings because I wanted to meet other hosts. I wanted to meet other owners. And at these meetings is like where the sort of the brainwave for Boostly came around because at these meetings, I was chatting to hosts and they were sort of bemoaning the fact that they were so uh, annoyed at booking.com. Like they were sort of bemoaning, bemoaning, like all the things that you hear now in 2022 with Airbnb, it was booking.com in the UK back in like 2016. It's like, oh, the policies, the commission, blah, blah, blah. And I just said, well, well, like, what are you doing to bring in your own bookings? Like, blank expression. Next question. Well, who's who's helping? Like, nobody. Like, the tourism board wasn't doing it. There was there was one or two people online, but the tactics were, like, outdated. Or it was very sort of, like, you couldn't really connect or relate to it. Or getting you to spend tons of money on Facebook. And so, you know, I just thought, well, sod it. If no one's going to do it, I'll create a Facebook group. And I called it the Hospitality Community Group. And it's still around today. It's still amazingly engaged. And it was just for yeah. Scarborough and Whitby. The first ever name I think I created was Hospitality Community for Scarborough and Whitby. And that is literally it. And every single day I showed up and just posted like advice, whatever that advice would be. Like, this is what I'm doing. Try it as well. And, you know, it works. Like I, I invited everybody in from the area um, and they then invited and sort of recommended their friends are coming in. And before you knew it, people from further afield, Edinburgh, London, Manchester, and then people from France and Germany were joining and then America and Australia and like fast forward two years and we've got a thousand people in that group and you know, my inbox is getting really busy and I was like, wow, this is crazy. People are asking for advice. And it was my wife, Laura, who said, you know, we should really look at this and what are you going to do? Like, what are we doing? Are we going to stay doing the family business or are we going to go back traveling? You know, cause she was a major traveler herself before we met. And I just sort of had an idea. I was messing around with boost and boost hospitality, like boost your bookings. And then my wife said, just call it boost. And I was like, wow, boostly. So it done. And, you know, I, I sort of asked in the group at this point, I said, right, I'm thinking of doing um, like an online course. Um, I just need five volunteers to sort of guinea pig it. I've got 80 hours worth of videos that I've recorded of me doing the work for my family business and for like um, others who would like to test it. Five people put their hand up and they were the first five members of the Boostly Academy. Uh, fast mm. forward four years and now those five is 2,500. We brought in website design. We do books podcasts a part of the hfm network which is fantastic uh we've got youtube we've got loads and loads and loads and loads of things going on we've now got 40 members of staff and this year like right up until today our websites have tracked 2.6 million pounds about three million dollars worth of direct bookings so it's you know it's all sort of coming together nicely my goal is to help 1 million hosts um cut down on the over reliance on on airbnb and we're just slowly but surely like ticking that off day by day so Thank you for having me. Thanks for letting me share my story and excited to dig in. No, there's, there's a lot of routes I want to take this and, and um, you know, I think before we cover into like the book direct stuff and building out the marketing and kind of like your journey and learning that as well. Uh, I want, I want to dive into, it's been kind of cool to hear whether they're, whether it's from like Natalie Palmer, who's also in, in the hospitality FM network or from you and, and even my kind of experience the correlation that a lot of us have had with getting involved with family, whether it's our parents had the home or a farm or whatever and getting into the industry that way. And so I want to ask you, you know, going from traveling all over the world and doing, you know, coaching for soccer and then saying, Hey, I'm going to go back into the family business, especially after when you're talking about your age, like you're trying to escape, like you're like, I'm ready to get out of here. So coming back, how was that for you? I think, I don't know what it is about hometowns, but my hometown of Scarborough has got this magnetic pull. Even now where we live in the UK, we're only about an hour away. 
Mm. And we still go back a lot, you know, because obviously my family are there. Like Laura grew up there. It has such a sort of a magnetic pull. And I love being by the by the coast. And it's weird, really. Like my sort of mentality from say 10 to 20 was so different from what it was from 20 to 30, was so different from when it was 30. I'm 39 now, 40, and it will be so different from when I'm, you know, that sort of that 40 to to sort of 52 age group. And mm-hmm. you know, um, it's weird. It doesn't matter what stage my life has been, Scarborough's always had that pull. And who knows, like maybe next decade we end up moving back or whatever it may be. But it's, it's one of those weird sort of places, and especially like the farm that had such a, a vibe and a feel to it. And mm-hmm. when the opportunity came, it wasn't so much for like me and Laura moving back. It was like, this will be a great opportunity for Alfie to grow up yeah. you know, in the countryside and, and all of that. And, uh, and, and to be able to sort of come into the business as well was, was exciting, you know, and it's, it's so weird how things fall into place. Like I could have quite easily ventured off on the sliding doors moment and gone right, but we went left and that mm-hmm. left then boostly would never have happened if we'd never moved back. You know, Boostly would never have happened if I didn't sort of read the four-hour work week. Boostly would never have happened if I hadn't have gone to those meetings. And, you know, it's just so, so weird how things have sort of progressed along the way. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy thinking back, really. I was so determined, 16, 17, 18, to go see the world and whatnot. I had an amazing opportunity, did it, um, and did it a couple of times over, even after the kids were born. Um, and, um, yeah, and, it's, and, and I guarantee Scarborough will always have that pull. doesn't matter where I go or where we venture in the world. I love it. Uh, do you feel like, so there's a, there's a great podcast that I used to listen to um, and they would ask the question to the guests on the show. Do you feel like you were born or made to be an entrepreneur? And um, I want to ask you that question, especially because you have a, your parents have a background in being entrepreneurial uh, with taking this farm and, and creating it. So do you feel like that was instilled in you or do you think watching them maybe had some kind of pull for you to to start Boostly or, do you think it was just always there? You just needed to be, you know, given the opportunity to execute it. It's such a, it's really such a good question. Actually, my therapist asked that question not so long ago. So I feel like I'm prime with the answer. And it is weird, really, because both my parents were entrepreneurial and I saw it and I witnessed it. But then again, my first job, I, you know, I had a job, you know, I worked for them, but then I went off and did other jobs in pubs and restaurants and whatnot. But then my first sort of, thing out of school I, I i did one year of um sixth form which is like your upper high school in the states and i sort of did one year of that and i dropped out because i chose mm-hmm. totally the wrong things but when i came out of that i went into a into a role that was kind of like a franchise so i was kind of my own boss i was responsible for getting the kids onto the camps getting the kids to the after school clubs like you know i had to do lots of old school marketing like this is 2000 2001 and so again, before social media or anything, I, I, my marketing was flyers printing thousands of flyers, like literally sat there in my old Dihatsu Syrian sorting through all these flyers to then go and give them to schools and doing all those things. So it's very entrepreneurial sort of driven, but that determination mindset. And then like even doing the soccer coaching in the States, again, very much entrepreneurial. We had to sort of, again, do all the things. And then when I fell into sales in London, like I believe that any job in sales, you are your, your own sort of entrepreneurial mindset because you get a very low base and then the commission is what brings down the bacon, so to speak. So you are very much in, in sort of in charge of all of the things. Obviously you don't have anything else to worry about apart from picking up the phone and selling, but mm-hmm. that came at a, a later date. So I, th- I feel like, I feel like born, 
but you are the influences that you have around you sort of guide you on that journey. I feel like my personality type and I love doing Enneagram personality tests. I get every single staff member at Boothley to do them. Um, and it's really interesting and to, to intriguing to see what the Enneagram results are. My personality test is seven and three, which is pretty much like move fast, <laughs> break things and just keep on improving, which is very entrepreneurial. And I don't know if that was one that I've been born with or it's just something that's been fine tuned over time, but um, it's a really, really, really good question. Yeah. I was going to say it, it's funny how, you could see if you look back, right? Like you're like talking about flyers and doing all these things. And it's like, no one told you in that moment, like, Hey, you know, you might be made to be your own boss. Like you don't fit into this, like go to school, get a degree, get a job, buy the house, have the family, buy the dog, yeah. you know, and retire. Like you don't, you don't have that like normal kind of track. Um, so it's interesting to always like see, you know, what was it for you that, that really exposed it? Um, now, okay, so coming into building the business, I guess, and there's some other pieces that you said that I really want to dive into too, but we'll go this route first and then we'll backtrack a little bit later, um, is the, I guess, like taking what you've you've done, right? Like you, you've learned marketing, you were taking these tools and practices that you've already learned, bring it to the family business. I guess, tell me some big trials and and even triumphs really that you guys had going, you know, tw- you know, however many years on paper to then online and maybe even taking that leap and starting Boostly, you know, what was you know, a, a really good failure that you had to learn, but then a really good uh, success that you, you know, I, I guess would say come came from that um, yeah. failure as well. Um, so there's, there's a really good book by Mike Michalowicz called Get Different. And he doesn't call it a test. He calls it experiments. And when it comes to marketing, I love like experimenting in marketing. I, after reading Tim Ferriss, I think this is why I saw, I really bought into it because he, he calls himself the guinea pig, the human guinea pig. And he just sort of likes to test stuff and then sort of relay stuff back to his audience of what worked, what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And with the granary, like, I was testing and experimenting so many, many, many different things. Like when live video became a thing, like, we're testing live video. And I, the first ever live video that I did, I literally got my phone. I plumped it on a, on a tripod. I pointed it to the view because one of our main selling points was the view. And I just literally hit live and just left it there. It was like a, a very chill live video, you know, and, and people were tuning in because it was one of the new things. And uh, we've always sort of done and experimented in so many different ways. Something that my wife, Laura, reminded me of recently because we just um, done uh, in the Boostly Book Club. We do a different book every month and we've just done Get Different. And uh, we were talking about it in the Zoom call about the different marketing tactics that we've tried in the past. And I talk and she reminded me of one where we got a biodegradable balloon, helium balloon. At the, at the bottom of the base of the balloon, we tied a little note to say, uh, if you find this balloon, congratulations, you've won a free night stay at the granary. Here's my cell phone, here's my whatever to, to redeem it. Because what we realized was that 90% of our guests lived within a one to three hour radius around from where we were based. So by setting off the balloon, it's something different. Now this little girl uh, found it, gave it to the parents, they called us, congratulations. We found it was that little girl's birthday. It was like the, the perfect person to find that balloon. She booked- literally... Yeah, we booked to stay. We found out from my mum that the little girl loved unicorns. So we just bought a little unicorn stuffy, left it on the bed. It was a fantastic. It was like social media, tick, referrals, tick, the repeat guest on a birthday every year for the next two years at least, tick. 
it was a it was a win win win. It even got in the paper, like the press mm. all wrapped it up. So win 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 win. That's fantastic. There's been a ton of failures. <laughs> it's so many experiments that didn't work. Like more than I can even sort of uh, list off. One of the main ones is we started doing weddings. Weddings are very profitable, but they give you the biggest headaches in the world. <laughs> we tried to do everything ourselves, um, you know, up until 2016. And so that resulted in, you know, stress, you know, again, from, from my wife having to work with her husband as well as the in-laws. <laughs> That's never a nice combination. That's, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, and it's just so, so many things that we tried, tested, experimented. But the main thing is, is that we never sort of um, focused on a loss. You know what I mean? We sort of instantly sort of brushed us off got up again and went and tried to do something different. And I feel like the main thing that what we did, the main thing that we did really well is that we took that offline word of mouth. We got it online. We were always asking for reviews. We were always trying new things and it just resulted in so many people leaving reviews, which is, which is like really like to the point where we built an email list and we built these reviews. So one time we had a real crappy guest, like the worst guest, like the, the, we talk about the crush and the cringe list. It was mm-hmm. our absolute cringe and they left an absolutely shocking review as they should do because they should never have booked in the first place. We should never have taken the book in X, Y, and Z. Anywho, mm-hmm. crappy review sitting there right at the top of TripAdvisor. I was like, nah, I'm not having this as the first thing on TripAdvisor. So we emailed our list and said, listen, I'm going to be real with you. I need his help. Like we, we've got a really mm. crap review. It wasn't right. TripAdvisor will never take it down. Can you please go on and leave a, a real review of your real experiences on TripAdvisor? And we had a list of about, let's say 2,000 people, 500 people left reviews instantly like that because we had built this sort of such good thing offline and, and literally that review boom, disappeared. And there was this yeah. five, so many decent five-star reviews. And like we, we did that by creating super fans, by sort of just, uh, being present, being visible online. And it was just by doing these little experiments that just meant that we were always at the forefront of people's views. And so, yeah, there's tons and tons and tons. With with all these experiments, how did you know when it was time to give up or to lean into a failure or, or potential success? That's a good question. I don't know. You just have that feeling. I've always been one which, you know, could have maybe like sociopathic sort of vibes to it, but I've always been one to sort of, if something isn't working, you just kill it and move on and you just have that sort of feel and i do it with boostly now all the time like the way that we've grown boostly now i'm not doing all of the things and you know i've been able to hire we've got like 40 members of staff so it means that i can be the one that's at the top designing experimenting testing and i'm the same at boostly if i try something and it doesn't work in the way that i want it to work whatever that end kpi should be it's instant right forget about it move on focus on the thing that's working um and so, yeah, it's, it's weird. There's no set like monitorial number or we've got to hit this certain amount of whatever number. It's just, you feel it. And if you feel if it's not hitting and after doing this for so long, like I technically could say since 2000 and say 2000, 2001 with the, the football coaching sort of business, you just have a feel when something's not working and you just instantly know when to be able to just sort of let go. Yeah. No, hundred percent. You you kind of become callous, right? Like it's uh, yeah. You don't let those you don't let those lose you know, those losses really impact you, and you just kind of move forward. Or like they say, what water off a duck's back type deal. Um, so that's yeah. really cool. So tell me, getting from you and Laura, which I would love to hear how you guys met. Also, um, yeah, you and Laura, it, she come. She's the the mastermind behind the mastermind, right? Like she's telling you, Boostly's the name. Just call it Boostly. You say, hell yeah, let's go. 
where where do we take off from there? What did, what was your first, I guess, product? Was it the Facebook group and just really focusing on that? Or did you guys start honing into email marketing? What was the, I guess, the first thing that Boostly went after when it came to this like online presence for independence? So I've never told this story, but it is a good one. And it's a thing that I think any startup could do. doesn't matter whether you're doing hospitality or whatever. If you're just literally coming across this thing, you know, this is a cool idea. Then this is a really a good idea. So what I did was, I wanted to see and test if what I knew to be true actually worked. So what I wanted to do was I wanted to work with five local hosts. And I briefly mentioned it at the at the meetings that we were going to and whatnot, but nothing was really biting. So I thought, right, well, I'm going to do this right. And so I went on Google Maps and I got uh, an amazing uh, VA that I still work with to this day to, to sort of go on Google Maps and find me, I think it was, I want to say a thousand addresses mm. um, of bed and breakfast, rentals and whatnot. So she put it all on a Google, uh, a Google sheet. I went to a local printer and I got him to mock up a postcard. And the postcard, it, it read as if a guest was sending the postcard to the host. Okay. So it read along the lines of, um, hey, and it left a blank so I could write their name in. Um, just want to say thank you so much for an amazing stay. We really enjoyed it. We, you, your property was fantastic. We'll recommend it to friends and family members for years to come. Dot, dot, dot. And then there was a space. And then it was just imagine getting this postcard from every guest that visited. Uh, to find out more, um, go to this URL. And on that URL, uh, there was a, I can't remember what the software was, but it was this really fancy um, piece of kit. But when they went to the URL, it was bespoke to the person that I sent it to. So it would say, hey, Will, or owner of Insert Business, um, win a chance to get one month's free coaching with Mark Simpson of Boostly, um, founder of the Granary, da, 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 da. Right. And um, all they had to do was um, submit an email or whatever it was to, to jump through that hoop. And I sent it to like a thousand people. And out of that thousand, let's just say, I think about 30% re reacted with it, whatever. And then at the end, I was able to sort of boil it down. I picked a winner. And then from that, I had all of these numbers to contact and call on the back of it. And because of the way that I'd done it, it was different, stand out. Postcard came through. People were really confused. Like, like <laughs> they recognized me from the grain. They're like, what are you doing? I was like, well, this is something that I want to do. It's one I want to test. I want to see if this works. And I had uh, the first one, they got a month's free coaching. And the other ones, I managed to get another four paying clients. One-on-one. Hmm. -on -one. I, I charged nothing. But I went in and I did yeah. everything. I took over their OTAs. I took over their website. If they had one, I took over their email list. I set up their social medias. I did everything. I literally was just going crazy. And every month I would go and visit them once a month for like a, a catch up or whatever. Um, and the reason why I did that is I wanted to see if it was proof in the pudding. And it was, it was really good because I had a bed and breakfast. I had a hotel, small hotel. Um, we had a couple of rentals and whatever the other one was. And, you know, I got a real good little test to put together. And at the same time, I'm creating the Facebook group, the Hospitality Community Facebook group. And the way that it was basically working was I was only doing these one-on-ones. I didn't have any idea of the one-to-many sort of future that we sort of ventured towards. Mm -hmm. And uh, in 2017, 
me and my wife had an offer for our house. So we still had our house in Darlington to buy offers and we'd make a little bit of money. And we thought, let's, sod, let's go for it. Mm-hmm. So we sold the house. We had 15, 16, 17 grand left over at the end of it. And we said, right, we're going to go traveling with that. Like the, 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 the way that the granary, the family business was at the time, it was pretty much running itself, didn't need us. Um, so we're like, let's go traveling. And so I said to my clients, right, this is what's going to happen for three months. A little bit different. I'm going to still do the work, but I'm going to be doing my calls with you and I'm going to be in Bali or India or Thailand, whatever. They yeah. said, yeah, we'll go along with it. Da, 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 da. It, it was awful. <laughs> I came <laughs> at the end of those three months and, you know, the businesses were still there. The work was being done, but they really missed that sort of one-on-one vibe that I'd built up when I could just go in at any time. And, you know, this was like the, the life of a contractor or a life of a freelancer. My, all of our six month contracts were coming at the end at the exact same time <laughs> and only one stayed. And I was just like, oh, that's like, that's like 90% of the revenue just gone right there. And I was like, okay, this, this is a little crazy. This is a bit extreme. I don't think I'm cut, cut out for this. So, um, I so I went away, got my thinking cap on, and that's when I came up with the idea of putting everything that I had learned, everything that I had implemented onto an online training platform. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing because then it wasn't just Scarborough and Whitby. We had a ton of people joining this Facebook group from all over the world, and I'd be able to help them as well. And so that's where the Boostly Academy, Thinkific, came into it. And you know, that's like sort of late 2017, early 2018. And uh, it was at the exact same time I got my first tax bill. I, I was such a bad business owner because I didn't even think about doing all of these things of, um, I got to be putting money aside here. You know, I got at least yeah. a little money aside because there's going to be a tax bill coming. Didn't even think of that. And I never forget handing in to my old accountant who's not a very good accountant. And I sort of handed it in and it was just like, yeah, yeah by the way, you now owe like mid five figures on, <laughs> on, an, on a tax bill. And I was like, I ain't got that. <laughs> yeah. We were living paycheck to paycheck. And it was less like, Wow. So I was just like, you dr- I never forget that drive back, that two hour drive back to the house. And I was just like, what's going to happen here? But I just head down, just got on with it. Again, that sort of bank mentality, just going to get, get this, get, get it done. And, you know, we, we got to that amount, paid the tax off, all cool stuff. And then it just sort of grew and expanded from there. And it's so weird how sort of like the things have sort of come and involved. The main thing has always been building the email list, you know, becoming a go-to showing up every single day, you know, proving what I talk about and all that cool stuff and turning every single member into like a a super fan or as many as possible. Like that Kevin Kelly blog, uh, 1000 true fans always rings true to me. And and so much so that I'd forgotten about it. And I've just started seeing a, a going to a PT here in, um, in the UK and we're chatting about business and life and stuff. And I was just like, you got to check out Kevin Kelly, like the way he was talking and asking questions, like you got to check out this Kevin Kelly, 1000 true fans. And it made me revisit it. And it's everything that I've done from pretty much since 2017 still ring true today of, of how we've built Boostly. I love it. There's so much to unpack from that too. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Um, So good. It's so good. Uh, I love, it's crazy. Like think about, okay, you were, you were doing this postcard thing with the direct URL to the person before anyone in our industry. Like there's like, that's a number that's been a big tactic by Vacasa, you name it, like all these bigger companies, right? Like they're, they're going that postcard route. Um, you, you pretty much did that before anybody. So just to hear that is kind of one crazy. I'm glad you told that story because, um, yeah, just to see like the amount of people that use that tactic today for, I guess now scaling the business. Now you're, you're, you just said 2017, 2019, now up to 40 people. 
when you and I met in London in 2020, you know, what was, I guess, give me a, a walkthrough of man, like what was happening with Boostly at that time? You know, you and I were both, I think cr- we crossed paths. We talked for like maybe 10 minutes, give yeah. or take. And, um, and then it was just go, go, go. And of course, like everyone's like hearing about this thing called COVID and like, Oh, what do we do? Do we go home? Do we stay? Do we go home? Do we stay? Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess what happened right after? So I'm trying to think of how many team members we had then. I would say a handful. And what was happening was in 2019, uh, I had a six-month contract in Bali. So me and the wife, we had three boys then, and we packed everything up. We had a rental at the time. We, we let go of our lease, and we moved to Bali for six months. And it was during that time is when we built out the next phase of Boostly websites because the CTO of Boostly, Tom O'Brien, he is based in, in Bali. I met him in 2017. We kept in contact and we just slowly started to build websites together. In 2019, we sort of put together a, a DIY uh, WordPress offering, which was like a great idea. It was, it, was, it was ideal for anybody who didn't want to done for you. They wanted a little DIY, but they didn't want to mess around yeah. with WordPress. And that was like the sort of the um, lighting of the, 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 the touch paper, so to speak, of, of like Boostly because it instantly put us... In, in, in available for so many more people. We priced it ridiculously low, a couple hundred pounds, a couple hundred dollars, and uh, we just sort of started talking about it, X, Y, and Z. And then uh, got back from Bali. We moved to Spain. We basically packed the bags again, moved to Spain. Um, and then during the time... I remember the Spain part. Yep, the I remember Spain the part. Spain part, yeah. Yeah. So we just literally moved in October 2019, got a place, and then we were so lucky that in March, obviously, I was coming back to speak at um, the, was it the Short Stay Summit and the Shorties Award was obviously happening at the same time. And mm-hmm. it was last minute decision. It was like, right, well, I don't really want to spend time away from Laura and the boys. Why don't you come with? We'll spend like a week back. My parents can come down from Scarborough. We'll have a cool few days in London, all that jazz. So we had booked to fly on the 11th of March and the flight back was on the 16th of March. The short is on the night of the 11th. And then the 12th was the short stay somewhat Excel when I met, met you proper. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it was on the, the night of the 12th that Spain started to go into little lockdown, as in schools were closing, things were starting to go a bit, what's going on? Like our flight back was the 16th. Um, I had a great day at the Excel, great day, all that cool stuff. And then over the course of the next few days of the weekend, like I was on flight tracker, like 24-7. Yeah. I've never been on flight tracker before in my life, figured out what's going on. I'm going to get home. And then, yeah, we just made that decision on the 16th. We're at Gatwick Airport. I had Enterprise renting a car to my left. We had the departures terminal to my right. There's me, my wife, our three boys. We're like, what are we doing? And we just made that decision to stay. We naively thought we'd be there for like a couple of weeks, fly back to Spain, yeah. all because we're there for four months <laughs> and luckily we came back to my parents house you know up in Scarborough back to you know the magnet that was the family farm yeah. it was like I had my laptop with me and um you know we had wi-fi nowhere to go and there was a community that was just in distraught like every single day you turn on the news massive worldwide events were happening we didn't know what was going on in the town in the city in the state in the country in the world so it's like I just knew what I knew best and that was just going live on Facebook. And so we just did it every single night for 40 days in a row. I went live on Facebook. Some nights we'd have guests. Some nights it was just drinking and having fun, doing quizzes, whatever it was. But we did it every night for 40 days. And the, the sort of the ramifications of that 
is that we were getting about 100, 200 people every night joining live. And um, the sort of the the awareness just sort of kicked up a level because there was some guy, weird British accent, weird hat, going live every night. Uh, yep. We got some amazing guests like Noah Kagan. If anybody knows Noah Kagan, you'll know like um, how big he is in the, in the world of entrepreneurship. Huge. Humo, huge. Number 10 at Facebook, something like that. So he was huge. We got him on. We were like, it was one of my podcast highlights of like Boosty. It was like getting him drinking at like three o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> as we're doing it. It was great. And, um, you know, we had some other amazing people on. And um, at, the, at the back end of it, the inbox at Boosty was just going crazy because people, um, you know, had maybe government support maybe uh, had a little bit of extra time to go, right, I now need to not rely on Airbnb for my bookings because of all the things that happened, you know, Airbnb canceling bookings and da-da-da-da-da, right? And people are like, right, I want to focus on this now. We're getting property management software set up and they wanted a direct booking solution. And we just right place, right time, visibility was there. Um, somebody, you can go into any Facebook group at the time, it's like, right, who, who do you recommend for a direct booking website? And there was me and maybe two other people that being mentioned, but we were getting mentioned more than most. And it's just the natural flow. And like having 40 hours worth of live videos, I saved every single one, turned every single one of them into podcasts. So yeah. we had like 40 weeks worth of podcasts. I had to, we were having so many, because I used to do one a week. We had so many recordings that I had to start like ramping up to two a week just to sort of, because I had a backlog like the rest of the year, um, which was great. And so it was just all of that combined. And we just sort of kept improving the product. We started to hire more people that we needed to do. And, you know, we were, it was so like a crazy time, but we grew 200% in 2020, which was ridiculous. And it's mm -hmm. weird saying that at the time. I hated sort of putting that out on LinkedIn at the end of 2020 because so many people had lost their businesses, X, Y, and Z. But it was like at the same time, it's this massive achievement that we needed to talk about. And then it was just like the sort of the next ramp in the process i always say like having a business is like being on a roller coaster ride and it's like we're yeah. right in the very bottom and we're just been slowly going up and i feel like now at the end of 2022 we're getting to like that that peak and i just keep hoping it keeps on going i would just go boom drops out <laughs> the event but it's like it's exciting being on this ride now we've got 40 members of staff we've got you know we've got um we've got actual teams we've got a finance team we've got a sales team marketing team yeah. we've got support coo CTO, all these fancy titles that I never would have imagined in 2016 when it was just me on a dining table at four o'clock in the morning trying to get a couple of hours working before the kids wake up uh, to now where it is. So it's, yeah, it's all good, my man. I love it. How much um, would you say consistency played a role in that? Would you say consistency is a big piece or? Yeah, it's king. It's king. Like you just got to show up. Like every day, even when you don't want to, you just show up and showing up can mean so many different ways. It could be just a little post on a Facebook mm -hmm. group. It could be a story. It could be a, an email. It could be whatever. It's like, even when you don't want to do it, you got to show up and provide value in some way, shape or form. And that is consistency. Um, and I've always been visible. Like my whole thing is to make sure that whatever social media platform you're on, you can see Boostly in some way, shape or form. At the mm -hmm. start, it was so hard because it was all me. Now I'm really fortunate and lucky to have a team that help with 99% of it, which means that I don't always have to be doing the, the tippy tappies on the phone and all that sort of things. We, we talked about it in Nashville. My screen time on my phone is down to like two, three hours. So it's bare minimum. It sits yeah. there in a corner. It never flashes and whatnot. So I'm very lucky at that. But it's, yeah, consistency is king. Consistency is everything. And it's um, the other very cliche phrase is, you know, 
imperfect action applied at speed is the key to success. So it's like just getting on, cracking on, being consistent, testing, 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 trying new things, seeing what sticks, seeing what doesn't stick and sort of getting ready to know what doesn't and just keep working on what does, but just being visible and present every day. Yeah. I have a tattooed on my, on my bicep says progress, not perfection. So I think like mm-hmm. the more you go in with that mindset, I think a lot of people focus on being perfect before bringing it public or live, right? Like, all right, before I go live on Facebook tonight, I need to have this set up and this, this like it needs to be perfect. And, and sometimes it's just, no, just start doing it and figure it out. Do you like it? Do you even want to do this? Like you have to, I think, I think if you just do the progress first, um, usually goes into allowing that kind of evolution of the content and, and, or even the business itself kind of just yeah, well, do a central course. That's like, look at your podcast from the early days. Like now you've got the lovely boom mic and all the cameras and yeah, all the, yeah. but like back in the day when it was first starting out, it was just laptop, microphone, like a USB microphone go. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I yeah. No, I was I was like I was just talking to Matt Landau, who you have also gotten to get to know over the years too, and it's like it telling him like I remember we recorded my episode with him on Skype with no cameras, and I was in my echoey like condo apartment where yeah. it was horrible audio. Like I can't believe, yeah, people listen to the show um, because of how bad the audio was. But you needed so, to do it. You need you needed to do it. Cut the teeth. So you enjoyed it, yeah. and now now you've got you know lovely audio and all all of the things. And the the problem is this is a big problem within the our industry, which we could say is like short term rental industry or the hospitality industry, is that there is too many vendors, too many peers, who maybe be on LinkedIn right now watching this who are still not started because they're yeah. waiting for the perfect kit, the perfect yep. microphone, somebody to talk about. Da 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 da. Just yeah. do it. Just, just Seriously. that's like well, the, that's- the one thing saying to everybody: just do it. Keep going. Do it. Start it. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one thing you and I have gotten along with, especially when we got to talk to Nashville, which we can easily um, ease into now is you know, just talking about like, dude, it's so easy to start a podcast. I feel like 2018 was like when I that's when I started was right then and there. Gary V, Tony Robbins, get a five dollar mic, go on Anchor, create a podcast. It's free. It's cheap, whatever. Um, now there is a little bit of barrier to entry, but there's so many people that just are so afraid of like is it going to hit the metric numbers and are we going to be able to monetize? And are we going to be able to do this? And it's like, just do it. Have fun. Get creative. Like, like so early, you're still so early in it. Like compared to, you know, yeah. if you compare podcasting to blogging, there's like 1 million, yeah. maybe one to 2 million like podcasts with blogging. There's billions of blogs. Like people yeah. will still start a blog today, but they won't yeah. do a podcast for whatever reason. It's like the main thing is for me is you got to make sure that you are visible on every marketing channel. That's why I started writing the book because there was a marketing channel that I was not visible on and that was Amazon, which is like the book writing. Yeah. Like, so that's why we started doing it, just to be visible on a, on a total channel that we are not currently on. So just all about, you know, just do it. I cannot, I, underst- I don't, honestly don't understand today if anybody is creating content, why they aren't creating video podcasts because what you can do with a video and you know if you repurpose it properly then you've got audio you've got a written blog you've got social media content you've got shorts you've got stills you've got graphics and you may think wow that's a lot of work but yeah what you got to remember is who not how like you are not going to yeah. do all of this there are some fantastic fantastic people that you can find freelancers contractors that you can find that can help you and you just gotta you just gotta know where to look but you've got to start you gotta actually have a content base yeah, let's talk about the book though. I want to, because you got to expose uh, your first book at the 
STR Wealth Conference in Nashville. Hold that up. Do it for the thumbnail. There we go. Book that playbook. <laughs> look at the look at I love the focus as well. Nice. I know that focus is coming in. Um, and I also have to give you like a big kudos. Like as a podcaster, you know the struggle when your guest audio is not great. So thank you so much for having a great microphone and you just sound so good. Um, so My- for all of our listeners, enjoy this great audio. It's not every time <laughs> like that. Um, so it's apologize the accent that's on the other end of it <laughs> it's very gruff yeah. nah, easy easy <laughs> easy to understand um you got to expose the first book in nashville now there's book number two on its way out kind of tell me the process of this because I, I love the the mindset you have you know i'm on every marketing channel facebook instagram youtube um podcasting blogs website everywhere but written word which is amazon's ability to get you know, a hard copy of Mark Simpson with them. So uh, kind of walk me, walk me through this. So the idea came to me late 2020. Um, we had just started to dabble in clubhouse. Right. And I was loving it, loving the process, all about jazz. And I started to jump into rooms that were about book writing. And I was like, Hmm, I could do this. So I went down a couple of rabbit holes, um, managed to get myself booked onto a book writing course, had an idea and sort of thought, right, well, let's just see what happens. And um, the first couple of weeks of the book writing course was just about writing stuff down, Pomodoro technique, 25 minutes on, five minutes off. Don't even look at what you're writing to see what comes from it. Like have your structure of your intro, like why you, what you're going to talk about, da, 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 da. And one of my favorite other books from Tim Ferriss is Tools of Titans. What I love about Tools of Titans is it's 200 episodes, his best episodes from his podcast, Tim Ferriss podcast. And what it does is it interviews the, you know, the, the, the top people from the categories of health and wealth and whatever, right? And so I never read that book from page one to page like 400. It's a beast of a book. What I do when I, when I read it is I dip into a chapter, whether it's Wim Hof, whether it's Tony Robbins, whether it's Noah Kagan, X, Y, Z. And I was like, oh, that's a really good idea. So I thought, I want to create a book. Now, I want to create, I, I sort of, I, I muted it in the, in the Facebook community, in the hospitality community. I said, I'm thinking about writing a book about marketing. What do you think? And it was like massive, no, don't do it. It was like, but the moment that you publish it, it will be out of date. And that hit, that really hit home to me. Like somebody, it's just one comment. The moment that you publish it, the stuff that you talk about will be out of date. So I was like, hmm, okay. So I was like, well, how can I write a marketing book that is evergreen, that will stand the test of time, that will, doesn't matter whether you read it in 2022 or if you read it in 2032 or if my Alfie reads it, you know, when he's whatever. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So I, I went away with that. And the, the name, the book direct playbook just came to me because with a coaching playbook back in the day, if I was doing a soccer drill, I would have this huge A4 binder with me at all times. And I would have every drill that you could possibly imagine from shooting to defending oh, yeah. from goalkeeping to whatnot. And I wouldn't read that from page one to 400. I would go into it and go, right, I want to shoot and drill open it up, find the drill, implement it. And I was like, oh, this is an idea. It's so book direct playbook. And it basically is 101 tips. Um, and again, it's designed for you to dip in. doesn't matter whether you need help on email, social media, content creating. And what I was doing, I was just picking my top FAQ. So the most frequently asked questions, yeah. the ones that I enjoyed writing content about and X, Y, and Z. And um, to be honest, the main reason to write in it is that 
I get asked so many different types of questions, whether it's customer avatar or somebody comes to me saying, hey, you know, Airbnb changed the algorithm. I've got no bookings over the next four months. What do you do? And my instant answer now is just, I could get the book. <laughs> it's 99 yeah. cents. The answer's in there plus 100 others. And uh, um, I drafted it out. I reached out to a mutual friend, Neely Khan. I said, Neely, <laughs> I need you. Shout out to Neely. I've got the, the bare bones of it. I need a bit of Neely sprinkled all over this. Like, can you help? And so she was amazing. Fantastic. We worked together on it. She's like one of the like, co-editors on it. I gave her a huge shout out on it because she deserves it because it was fantastic. The book would never have made any sense if it wasn't for Neely. Um, and then the, 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 at the same time as putting the book together, I was reading Donald Miller, Storybrand. I was reading Pat Flynn, Superfan. I was reading so many books and every single one of them had a common theme. They all had an online element to it. So it's like, hey, you're reading this book. If you want to find a free course, go to dadadadada.com, put your email address in, and you'll get X, Y, Z. And I was like, oh, it's genius. Because Amazon don't share any information. We don't know anybody who's buying the books. So how do you yeah. get someone from reading the book to become present in your world? So again, um, we created the, the book there at playbook.com. It's a total free course. All of the tips that I talk about, it's like the over-the-shoulder aspect. Because in the book, it was very on purpose talking about evergreen. I barely mentioned specific channels, right? I don't really mention Facebook or TikTok because at the time, if I mentioned musically, musically now is out of date. It's now TikTok. So I didn't want to do that. Instead, what I did is I talked about the philosophy and the psychological aspects of the things that we're talking about as, as a whole. And um, the videos were there so that when it comes to doing the video, if for whatever reason, the whole layout changes in a year, I can go and update it. I can't update the written word in that book that is in that set in stone, but I can easily change a video. So it was like a twofer. Uh, I got the email address so people can be introduced to Boost, Boostly and then they can be able to like have up to date content on there, which is fantastic. And then I read Alex Hormozzi's $100 million offer. Mm-hmm. And the whole psychological aspect around that is like, this is genius. He does two things in that book that just skim over it, but it's, it's like, it's beautiful. Number one, when he's given the outline of how to digest the book, he talks about having the audible and the written version in front of you as like a productivity tip. Uh, it's not a productivity tip. It's just Alex Holmes trying to get the book devalued of audible and the, and the Kindle. I was like, that's genius. So I put it in the book. And as well, the other thing, halfway through the book, he does this amazing chapter about why you should leave a, re- a review. But one of the things that you'll realize about the Holmes book, he's got so many reviews on it. And that's why it spread like wildfire. You didn't have to pay any advertising to sort of shift the copies of the book. So again, I messaged Neely, 11 o'clock at night. Neely, I need your help. We've got to to sort of shoehorn this in. Amazing, got it done. And again, it's in the book. And And the reason why the book has taken off as it has done is that we get so many reviews left on it. So it really helps boost the algorithm on, on, on Amazon. Um, yeah. And just before going to publish, just before going to publish, there was a chapter that didn't sit right with me. The chapter was about the systems and the structures to put in place. I talked about things like the, the PMS, like the guest verification, yeah. trust factor, and I pulled it. I was like, I just messaged the publisher and I said, no, I got to pull it. I, I don't, I don't like this. I feel like I'm shoehorning this in. I feel like there's not working because the playbook is all about marketing. So I pulled it. Yeah. And um, I, I honestly was going to do nothing with it. And then this year when the playbook came out, it went to number one. It was amazing. It's been such a fantastic resource because now people message me at least one a day on Instagram without a shadow of a doubt, at least once a day um, saying that they're reading the book, which is great. 
and then um, on the top of that, with with uh, hospitable hosts, with um, with Jody uh, Jody Sterling, um, did that, which Nashville was just fantastic because of those two things. And so I, being part of a multi-author book like Hospitable Hosts was like, okay, uh, that was interesting. I really enjoyed that process. And then the blueprint came back to me, like the idea of a blueprint. So the the chapter that I pulled came back to me and I was looking over my notes and I was like, I could do this book and I could get another book done in 2022, but it wouldn't be just me. It'd be me reaching out to friends in the industry, vendors in the industry, because doing this for six years, you know, I get to know like a lot of really cool people and I want to be able to showcase them. And again, we're talking about podcasts. I was like, so many people aren't doing podcasts. So many people aren't talking about their business on a day-to-day basis. None of these have got a book, right? So it's like, how can I get them to be visible on a marketing channel that none of them are going to be visible on? How can we get a bestseller? How can we like spread the awareness of them? And I thought, amazing. So booked out blueprint. I think it was July. I woke up stupidly early. It was like three o'clock in the morning. I got a massive piece of paper and I just brain dumped it. I drew like uh, 15 circles and I just thought like, right, I want a chapter on property management software. I want a chapter on trust. I want a chapter on pricing management. I want a chapter on upsell. I want a chapter on guest experience. I want a chapter on da, 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 da. And then I drafted up a very coffee filled Google doc. And I just sort of had a, a hit list and I just started sending, 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 sending. Um, the first person that replied back to me, first person in the book, Maddie from Mount. Just met Maddie. I was like, I really want to feature you in this book. I feel like you are a superstar. I love what Mount is doing. Please be in the book. She was like, yeah, 100% we're in. And then just people just kept coming back, coming back, coming back. And like, you know, it got to the point where before the end of July, we had um, everybody that I wanted, which was amazing, said yes, which was great. I went back to Jody, told her about the idea. She, it was just a stroke of luck that she was starting up um, a publishing company. Um, she, she was like, we'll run it through the publishing company. Fantastic. And then it's just sort of all fallen into place to where right now we've just got the cover. We've got the book back. The, pro, the, the first like copy of the book is back. Uh, we've got IPRAC. We've got Mount, Price Labs, Touchday, Uplisting, DAC, Tech Tape, Superhog, Minoan, D-Travel, uh, Roberta Nunes from the co-host expert who's got a really good chapter and I've managed to convince Tom O'Brien the CTO who's very shy who's very reserved he's done a chapter in the book because I really want to put him to like the forefront of people now because he is the brains behind like Boosley massively is so like all of the yeah. the the, uh, the the tech behind the scenes the websites the everything it's like it's about him so I want to bring him to the forefront and so yeah we've got a pretty pretty awesome book if I do say so myself it's very hard to put together uh, a multi-author book. It's very hard to structure it to make sure it makes sense to the reader, but uh, we, we've finished it. It's gone off to the author, uh, to the publisher, sorry, to the printer, which I'm really excited for. We are recording the audio book this week. Um, a massive shout out to um, Hannah from Touch Day. If anybody's ever listened to the Touch Day podcast, there's an amazing British accent. That is Hannah. Um, she, uh, I reached out to her uh, straight away when I had the idea for the audio version. I was like, can you please read the book <laughs> i'm gonna do the intro the outro i just want you to do the middle bits she was like yeah sure and so she's recording it this week she sent me a 30 second demo today and it just sounds lush it just sounds like butter she's amazing so i'm excited to that it. so we're we are good to go we're gonna be launch it in december i can't give an exact date because um i learned the lesson with the playbook you never give an exact date <laughs> amen amen and, 
and uh, yeah, and, and the cool thing is, and this is the main thing, and all the authors have bought into this straight away. So I said, any profits from the book sale, any profits from the book sale is just going to go straight to charity. It's going to go straight to food banks, food bank charities in the UK, USA, wherever. And so, yeah, the goal is to get the bestseller, sell tons of copies, help support. And then most importantly, spread the awareness of all of these co-authors because it's um, there's some really cool people doing amazing things. And if this book can help sort of spread the awareness of them, even better. Totally agree. I love it. Well, I'm going to, so I want to do something kind of different on the podcast because you kind of inspired me through what you've been sharing through all of your stuff. Uh, for the first, let's say 10 to 15, I'm going to say 15 people that send you or I an email saying they heard this episode and say, or a DM, you could do DM, LinkedIn, Instagram, all that stuff. Um, first 15, let's say they heard this episode, they want the book. First 15, I'm going to buy the, the, the first book for them, send it off to them. And then the next round, I'll do another 15 uh, for the new the new book. So we'll do 30 books total giveaway just from this episode. So you only have to mention this episode. That's all you have to do. I'm not going to tell anybody anywhere else. So if you don't see it, hear it. We're just going to do it on here. So that'll be an easy easy way to get some get some of the slick talkers with their hands on it, which would be great. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah, Appreciate amazing. Ah, amazing. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah I love these do that. Yeah, no, super easy. Um, the final question I usually ask every guest nowadays is if you had one link where you feel like anyone who wants to learn more about you, Boostly, or just feel like is valuable for anyone listening in our industry, what would that link be to be in the show notes? The link that I would love would be Instagram because Instagram is my jam. So Instagram. Right. Uh, dot com forward slash boostly uk b-o-o-s-t-l-y uk it's the best platform it's the only one i've got on my phone the only app i've got on my phone um so yeah go and do that go reach out say hi say you, you're tuned in on on the slick talk and yeah and we'll hopefully um any questions you've got more than happy to answer it doesn't matter whether you're a host or a business owner or a startup just want to pick my brain i'm more than happy just go ahead and ask away i love it I love it. Well, and and anyone listening should know whenever I text Mark, every time we're both on the iPhone crew, I see Mark has notifications silent. So definitely uh, <laughs> make sure you do the Instagram one because I'm pretty sure uh, it, his his notifications are are off. So oh um, yeah, that's uh, the hack, love, that's the life hack. I, yeah, all notifications um, off. I love it. I'm the same way. I'm like, nope, not during this time of day. But yeah. Mark. It's been a real pleasure having you on. I'm glad that we got to connect in Nashville for the first time, like on a deeper level outside of online and meeting in COVID times and in mm. uh, London and all that stuff. So I just really say like, you know, from, from truly like the bottom of my heart, like it's just been really cool to get to know you, your story and just, you know, seeing what you bring into the industry is just incredible. So I want to say thank you for being on the show and doing what you do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Look forward to seeing you in a couple of months back in Nashville. Yes, sir. I can't wait. If you are listening to this and you're wondering what we're talking about, strwealthconference.com and get your tickets. We'll all be there. All of the biggest names and hospitality will be in attendance and on stage. So it's going to be a good time. But uh, until next time, make sure you like and subscribe everything Boostly and Mark Simpson. So that way you're getting the best book direct and marketing tips and tricks and tactics, as he likes to say. Yes, I know you're you're saying your your three word liner, but uh Yes, I'm super thankful and we'll see you all again next week.
Thank you so much for listening, and thank you to our show partners for making Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, possible. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we would love to connect with you outside of the podcast. So you can follow us on all of our social media channels for daily hospitality content, or find us on slicktalkthepodcast.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and we will see you guys all again next week. Thank you.